Yo, this is Hanging with Apes, an Audio Apes podcast. Real talk, real topics, no limits. Audio Apes, music with no boundaries. Yo, what's up everybody? I'm K-Cartoon. I'm Rx Phonics. We are the Audio Apes and you are officially Hanging <clears throat> with Apes, a podcast where we discuss trending topics, current news with our take on it, two guys from the south side of Chicago. Like always, you can check us out at audioapesmusic.com. That is the roadmap that you need for everything us our music our podcast our videos our everything our social media presence just everything you need audiowavesmusic.com it's a really cool website really well designed really nice looking go to that music page hit whatever artwork you want listen to the song it'll send you directly it's really hashed out pretty nicely so uh check it out audiapesmusic.com yeah steve jobs before he passed away he he gave us a couple tips on how to make the website if only if only that were true but (laughs) you only know we're lying because we're telling you we're lying because if if we didn't tell you we're lying you would think that we were we were being truthful about that and with that same integrity is the integrity we use to make the website, which is why you should go check it out right now. Absolutely. So either way we win, more or less. So anyway, it's an awesome website, audioismusic.com. Uh, and <laughs> our latest single, Mikasa, is out. Check it out. It's on iTunes, on Apple Music, Google Play, Spotify, pretty much anywhere where you can find music. It's everywhere. SoundCloud, it's out there. And that's also really good, too. Um, it might Mikasa might actually be better than our website. Or our, yeah. what do you think? You think our website no, is better than Mikasa? No, it's Mikasa. Maybe the website. I don't know. Just I check know. it all out. Yeah, and then and then get back to us. And then, like always, you can follow us at Twitter on Twitter at Hanging with Apes or at Audio Apes. Remember, Audio Apes is the music. Hanging with Apes is the podcast. We started putting some clips on uh, on YouTube too. Yeah, so hanging with check those yeah out. that YouTube channel is going to be growing rather nicely. Uh, we got a lot more stuff we're working on for you guys from uh, reviews to videos, all kind of stuff. It's going to it's gonna be really, really awesome. Expand. We got to expand. That's yeah, always good. We are expanding. So that's another thing that uh, we're grateful for. Is Stitcher. We're on Stitcher Radio too. Yeah, and then we finally got that worked out because last week um, – we announced we were on Stitcher, but there were some complications with it. But it's all worked out. We figured Stitcher out. Um, yeah. So no more green light on Stitcher. So you guys could rest in peace. Yeah, or we, not we literally, weren't going to. Jesus Christ. We're not going to diss Stitcher anymore. No. Hey, uh, speaking of disses, because last week we talked about the Nicki Minaj diss. Did you hear her uh, response finally? No. What the hell? No one has said anything. Was it that bad? It's It's... It's nothing compared to Sheether. It's uh, actually there's no memorable lines about it, and then she couldn't even do it by herself. She had to like bring in Lil Wayne and Drake, even though from what I gather they didn't like talk about Remy Ma, but it was just the song featured them, and you would think that that's something that she would want to handle herself, considering that Remy Ma only dissed her. So I don't know. I still think that's pretty cowardly. Yeah, that's bad. You know, it's bad when I'm actually looking for that. You know, I'm looking for the, the reply and I didn't even know about it and no one cared to even t- tweet about it or yeah, no, say anything about it. Almost literally nobody gives a fuck about it. Damn. 
Rest in peace, Nicki Minaj. She at least, you know. Yeah, she waited too long, and then it, it just it wasn't impactful enough. And that's what happens. I mean, it is what it is. We'll leave it alone. Uh, I was listening briefly to The Breakfast Club, and they were talking about it. And Charlemagne, <laughs> he... he what do you think? He was he was disappointed in it. This is wow. This is garbage. Well, I guess with that note, thank you guys for listening to our podcast. <laughs> no, don't don't leave just yet. Um, one thing I wanted to talk about today, I saw this thing on the Huffington Post. I found it kind of interesting. I'm gonna pull it up right now. Um, it shows the differences between Trump and Obama as presidents, like in terms of things that they've said about particular issues. And it's just funny because how biased the Huffington Post is when it comes to President Obama or former President Obama and President Trump in terms of, oh, hey, um, we're talking about women's issues. Oh, look at how nice and poised he was about women's issues. And then look at Trump, you know, what an asshole he is. And I feel like a lot of the stuff they don't really take into account. You know what? Like, I feel like everybody at the HuffPost, like, just talks like that. Like, oh, these people are fucking uncivilized. And what just, the fuck? Yeah, just everything is is just such a they're, they're just so disgusted with everybody in the world around them. But, wow. Uh, and what, what did the article say? Or? It, was, it was just like on, on issues of like Obama. Uh, like he says, there's one issue that they go over on his daughters and beauty and then Trump on his daughter and beauty. Um, Trump on wives and being a partner, Obama on wives and being a partner and so on and so forth. Yeah. And, you know, you could pull it up. It's at the Huffington Post. Uh, You know, I don't want to spend too much time on it, but it's just funny because one thing that stood out in particular to me was one uh obama he had said that you know michelle bore more of the burden in terms of their family and their household you know because he was you know a dad and working and being the president or whatever and she had to do the same thing but at the same time be more of a of a family figure and you know hold the family together in times when he was away or whatever which whatever there's nothing nothing wrong with that but I, I, you could definitely tell that the Huff Post jumped at the fact that he, that he said she bore more of the burden, like oh, you know, the um, the women, the women, like th- their struggle, you know, and that's what the Huff Post likes. They love that shit. Like everything yeah. is a show for women. Whereas like Trump was a little bit different. Like Trump when he talked about like marriage or whatever, he talked about. It was like the the particular quote that they pulled from Trump was when he talked about how uh, he tells his friends sometimes that have like nagging wives that sometimes he's better off just severing ties. And, you know, it's it's funny because like there to them, this like distinct difference was was awful. But the thing is, people need to realize that sometimes like people live different lives. And when you're a businessman and if you do have a nagging wife and you're trying to grow as a human being, you might actually be better off leaving her than staying. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? There has to be an understanding. 
And and I personally don't find anything wrong with anything that Obama said in in this particular article. It's just that I don't find anything wrong with what Trump said either. Yeah. And and that's what you're seeing a lot nowadays is that there's all this outrage about certain things that the president says that are not outrageous things. So when he does do something outrageous, nobody is going to react accordingly because they're so used to to people saying that everything is outrageous. Well, well you're seeing that now with the wiretap thing. You know, like what what, uh, what uh, Trump said about the wiretapping and now they're backtracking. And it's really not that much of news. Like people aren't really out you know, outraged by that. And I think part of it is because the media is playing this game, which is like, let's let's be real nitpicky about the dumbest things. And like people are starting to lose faith in the media itself. And um, certain things, like, like to me, for example, you know, at the end of the day, I, I hate this demagoguery of anybody, like of Trump, of Obama, of Bush, of Bill Clinton. Like these guys work for us. That's what we voted them in for regardless. So to me, like... That's what matters. What are you doing? You know, and and uh, so, you know, like the wiretap thing, now that they backtracked, it, I felt that that was annoying. I, I felt that that was pretty annoying just because, like, you know, you can't just throw out allegations like that. Now, again, people don't care anymore what the media has to say about these things because we here we have an article about certain things because what Trump says or what Obama says, you know, that's what they say. That's how they feel. What Trump said was not bad. I mean, no. a, a but, nagging wife. Like, do do you understand that this man is a businessman and he needs to, you know, businessmen they think their their mind is on the future. You right. know, their mind and is on, on and they're on the move. Exactly. So, I mean, there's no time for 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 nagging. And 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 someone who who who's a forward thinker and someone who's always looking to grow, they're going to look for someone that's not going to be nagging. That's there's nothing wrong with that. And, and you know what I notice? There's since Trump's victory as president, in other forms of media, as far as entertainment, there's a lot more brazenness, and and I think it's a good thing. Like for instance, uh, I was watching a little bit of that uh, Gerard Carmichael's uh, HBO. Uh, stand-up special and from what i saw it was about half hour into it from what i saw it's like really good really funny but one of the jokes he says in there that i think is pretty reflective of uh of a mindset that people feel now that trump has won like you could start saying certain things again he cracks this joke about he's like how he, he starts the joke off by saying ladies Trump winning is is not your loss. All it is is a victory for the guys. Like so pretty much saying telling the ladies like don't feel bad that you lost, but fellas, you can feel happy that we won. And he's like he's like, "Man, Phil Jackson couldn't coach a better streak than we have." He's like, "We've been dominating since like forever." And like and and you what it is is he's playing off of the the emotion and the outrage of like a lot of the feminists that say, oh, you know, the patriarchy and men dominating or whatever. And he's making a big joke of it. Yeah. yeah. You know what I'm saying? Th and you could is... tell and you could tell that that some of the audience got a little cringy because because they've had eight years of people not telling jokes like that. Yeah. Or too scared to tell jokes like that. And now 
you know they don't know how to necessarily deal with it and, and you're it. and you're seeing this you're seeing it more because and then there was a, a another joke in there i don't want to like give away too much but there was another joke in there about how some people like earn the right to cheat <laughs> that's some Carmichael shit. <laughs> and, and 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 I'm not gonna like you know express anything more than that until you see it. But again, another type of joke that I don't feel would have went over so well yeah. in the last eight years. But now people are a little bit more bold well, about it. Let's not forget. I mean, this is his second stand-up you know show on HBO. The first one, I felt people didn't mess with it as much as they should have because I loved. His it was awesome. Special. It was awesome. But you could tell in in that in that uh special that he had on HBO, the first one, is a lot of people they were like uh, kind of thrown off by some of the things he said. And I was like, I don't know how, this guy is genius. He he's intellectual, and at the same time satirical, like, and and kind of straightforward. And I like that. That's one thing I've always liked about comedy. But comedians kind of started strafing away from it. And and he's willing to say things that we're thinking you know and i felt like that's a quality we've always had that we're willing to say things that other people are thinking but don't necessarily have the balls to say yeah that's great i love that like that i I feel like the whole world should be like that you know what i'm saying and it's for the better i mean the other day i had an argument with someone at work and um we were we were talking he's like well you know the people who voted for for trump you know, like the, 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 like the minorities of order for Trump, they don't realize that like this guy is against them. And I was like, wait, hold on. Let's, let's backtrack. First of all, let's go back to the statistics. The numbers didn't change too much from him and Mitt Romney, which is to say that people didn't buy what the media had to say about Hillary. So what I saw was that people were tired and, and this was a big theme the, the the last um you know president or the last time uh you know people ran for president which was what November um was people are tired of political correctness people are tired of 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 the same old you know the same old story and and things have changed drastically in the way society approaches things and people were tired of it and I feel that just in general, in, in a lot of things, in media, in movies, in in music, you're kind of seeing this watered down version of things because it's like people are scared to say what they you know they want to say. Someone famous says something and they're endorsed by somebody, and then all of a sudden, oh well, hey, you know what? Well, we can't mess with this. This is not representative of how we feel. Right. So we have dropped like them. cultural Marxism. It, it, exactly. So to me, I feel that 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 is refreshing. And from his first stand up to this one. I think that that that's uh that's something good especially for comedy because one thing with comedy is when you come like that it's it's very refreshing and it's funny like the truth is funny remember when Bill Maher and um Milo Yiannopoulos were talking about like there's sometimes where you're making fun of someone you might mess with and you make fun of them with the truth and people laugh even if if if, if at first you, your first reaction is kind of like oh he, but you laugh you know yeah. what I mean and Absolutely. I love that. I love that about comedy. And I don't want comedy to lose that. And the last couple of years, these these new comedians, they have, in a sense, watered down comedy. You know, they'll 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 approach it or 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 if they get political, it's like they're taking sides. Let's not take yeah, sides. Yeah, it, it's fun become of a lot of like 
newer stand-up comedians or people that have ad- adapted the new way of things. It's like barista humor. Like, and when I, when yeah. I say barista humor, is like baristas like at, at Starbucks or wherever. Like, I don't <laughs> occupy these places, but like from what I'm what I'm told, is <laughs> like you do you got to get there like, with a scarf and a book. It's like they want like they want to have like a talk with you like to be friendly, but. They don't want to get too deep into anything because yeah. it, the deeper you get, the more likelihood of somebody getting offended or whatever the case. Yeah. And you can't, you can't live like that. You can't, you can't live like that. And and I'll, I'll give you an example of um, uh, this this Muslim guy that I that I see like at work, like at, on a weekly basis. Yeah. And he comes in, and you know he he he's uh, he's he's Muslim, and like you know there's times where like I'll joke with him and I'm not Muslim and I'll joke with him about like him, him like preaching, you know, uh, the word of Allah to like gay people. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and, and it only because I know how outraged he is by it. Like yeah, that's yeah. what's so, And then, and then he, he, he always tells me that he'll, he'll leave me a Quran for me to go do that. Like, like, and so he's joking back. But like, what's so funny about it is because I'm not scared to like talk about something that would be considered kind of touchy. Yeah. He, in turn, became not scared to talk about something kind of touchy. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And 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 it's and it becomes a joke. Like it, it's a joke, and then like that. You know what I'm saying? And then I feel like by something like that, right there, I'm showing him that like I'm from a culture that doesn't see gay people as bad as his culture yeah and yeah. so it is what and, and and like that that's how you build understanding you yeah. don't build understanding and and uh you know acceptance and in inclusiveness which i fucking hate that word but like yeah. the two words i hate right now the most are fucking inclusiveness and problematic like Ugh. fucking i hate those words just yeah. you know that's problematic like, like I cringe talking about. I cringe so hard. Like when we had Melissa on the podcast, and then you were like saying something, and we were talking about like rape culture, and then you said a bunch of stuff, and then she's like, "Oh, there was like so many things about the uh, that was that are just so problematic." I was like, "Oh my god." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but but anyway, <laughs> but that's that's how you 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 fix issues between cultures. Yeah, it's know? it's healthy. It's healthy. It's refreshing. It, it's healthy to laugh at yourself. You know. And laugh at others, and they laugh at you. It, it, I don't know. There's something refreshing about that, and I'm happy that he has a second stand-up special. And and uh, and, and speaking of yeah. of brazenness, uh, the other thing, kind of a pretty fucking awesome segue, if you ask me. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if you heard about this theater in Alabama. I'm pulling it up right now. This theater in Alabama, they um. They're pulling the Beauty and the Beast movie, the live-action Beauty and the Beast movie, because it's the first time that Disney is portraying an openly gay character. Oh, wow. So the theater is deciding to pull it. And, uh, you know, obviously it's making news because, you know, people, you know, people, some people are against it or whatever. The, the, the actor that's playing the character, Josh Gad, I, I guess the character's name is Lafoe. I mean, I'm not real familiar with any of the Beauty and the Beast characters. Yeah. But he's like the the sidekick of the the main antagonist, the, the villain. Yeah. And uh, supposedly, from what the director says, Bill Condon, he says that there's time that this character 
is like like he wants to be the guy he works for and then there's times that he wants to like be with the guy that he works for so it's like this character is confused or whatever and supposedly there's like an openly gay scene in the movie and this theater in alabama was like no we're not having it we don't want it you know a few things i have to say about it like in one sense, I it, it, somebody can argue that it, it might be a little bit hypocritical because it's like, well, you show like movies where they are they're killing people and yeah. like outing people, but then again, those movies also have like a rating scale and and ratings, so rated R. So that would be the the thing that would let you know, hey, if you don't want your kids to see this, don't bring them to see this. Whereas this Disney movies are tailored towards children. And that is a little bit tricky territory because as a parent, you may not necessarily want your kid to see that or be exposed to that. You may not even be a parent that's necessarily against gay people or gay marriage or anything, but it's still not something that you want them to see, you know, early on uh, and be exposed to. It's it's iffy for me because on one end, I, I do feel that in a sense, we've lost this con- conservatism in the in the way like traditional families are, right? Hey, this is what it is. And, you know, whether the kid grows up to be gay or not, you know, like there should still be some traditional or tradition in the way kids are raised. And and, and the reason I, I agree with that, and the, yeah. but the reason I agree with it is not necessarily just for the sake of tradition, but because this tradition has yielded positive and successful results exactly so it's not mm-hmm. it's not all oh, because for the sake of tradition this has to be blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. like no I, I this should be like this because uh, a mom and dad at home the kid ends up being more successful you know like like this the numbers point to what you're saying you know what I'm yeah saying? yeah and, and to a sense that's really what what society is based off of government religion it's it's a formula to be able to yield success and to move forward as a as a race, you know, as, as, or not as a race, as just humanity. And uh, to me, I think at this point, like right now, society, it's like they want to change things like so drastically. I remember you mentioning how New York, um, they recognized 31 genders. And to me, I, I was just flabbergasted at that, like 31 freaking genders. And then, like, when I read them, it was, like, some of the stuff was just far-fetched. Like, yeah. trans, uh, transsexual, transgen- uh, of transgender origin or something like that. They just had so many different ones. I was, like, what? Like, this is just far-fetched is what it is. And I feel, in that sense, I understand. But you you should also let, let, let people, you know, like, if you don't mess with something, the way you, you don't mess with it is you... Uh, in a sense, boycott it, right? You don't go, you don't go see it. You know what I mean? So that's where it's kind of iffy to me. That's where like it, it kind of threads like in between right or wrong. Like for like a movie theater, just be like, oh no, not letting the person be able to choose whether they want to watch it or not. But then you never know. Maybe it was that way. Maybe the community came up to the uh, you know uh, movie movie chain and said, hey, you know what? We don't want this movie here. So. I mean, it depends. Was it was it in that sense, or was it the movie theater? No, making it was the decision? movie theater making the decision. You know, and it is what it is. Like they, I I respect the movie theater and the owner's right 
to do that. At the same time, there is also a such such a thing as economic natural selection and you're going to lose money. Yeah, so, exactly. So it's if that's what you choose to do, that's fine. You have that right. But understand that people that you really do like want to see the movie are just going to go somewhere else. And now you're not going to have that money, which in turn, in turn, like is is for the benefit of you and your family and whatever causes you support because at the end of the day like you're you're hindering yourself because if somebody really wants to see it you're not preventing them from seeing it so you're not really yeah you're not really doing anything yeah you know what i'm saying but in a sense you are staying true to yourself which is right 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 in 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 that sense in that sense but then you know is you gotta just you know ask yourself is it worth the backlash is it worth not making this money is it worth all the the negative that's going to come from this yeah for something that ultimately people will go see if they really want to see anyway yeah but you have to you have to respect people's beliefs too at the end of the day right right absolutely but and it's just that, it's just an interesting uh yeah kind of situation it's it's interesting and and it's one of those things where like you know it's one of those things where people at face value, they're going to look at it and be outraged by, oh, well, uh, these people should be boycotted or not. And then again, you have to always remember, like people, uh, just like the people that want to view it, the owner, that's his business. That's his business and he gets to run it the way he wants to run it. And I mean, I'm pretty sure they knew that they were going to get some sort of backlash. So that's the that's the interesting part of, of things. But it goes back to, I feel sometimes with with hollywood or or with the media they do try and push an agenda and force things yeah and and that's the thing where at that point you know people some people don't like it some people do and and for and in terms of the movie itself for a director that seems to be trying to be so here goes this word again inclusive you would think that in your efforts to be inclusive, maybe you wouldn't want to be so like expressive about this being an openly gay character because I feel like in more than anything, that's marginalizing somebody. Like when you when you kind of like point out the difference, it's like it's one thing like people would go and then they end up finding out, but like the fact that you're pointing it out, I feel like you're doing the very thing that supposedly you oppose. Yeah. Like, like, uh, sort of like backhanded racism. And I know you haven't seen the movie, so I'm not going to like spoil it too much for you, but there's a part in get out, which if anybody hasn't seen get out, it's, it's really good. It's a really good movie. Go check it out. Uh, but there's a part in get out where like the parents of, um, of the girl that the main character is dating, which he's black and the girl is white and obviously her parents are white well-to-do people in terms of like finances and stuff uh the dad says he tells the guy like i would have voted for obama a third time and and really like but the reason he's there they weren't having a political discussion this was just really just out of nowhere like i would have you know it's like it's like literally like if you just meet somebody and like they fucking just bring up something about like you like your heritage like being like puerto rican or tacos they're delicious like something like that like oh oh, but but like something a little bit more intricate than that like oh you know that i really think it's a shame that that taco bell like 
marginalizes your culture's food when when there's so many there's so many great cultured restaurants in certain neighborhoods that if people were a little bit more open-minded they go and see for themselves like that oh, well, like what the fuck is the well, my okay. name's rx phoenix by the way thanks it's like okay like i don't <laughs> i don't um nice to meet you too like what like and so <laughs> a lot of times by pointing out the difference like you're you're doing the marginalization so so did he do that on purpose like satir- like being satirical in a sense it's fucking it, it's one of those like it, the director in, i'm saying or the or the writer like in that in in that scene was that oh, yeah he it, it, it's to show like like a, a backhanded racism like like a oh. like a backhanded compliment so to speak and or like a covert racism like hey I'm an ally I'm on your side you know black man but really like what you're doing <laughs> is more racist than anything else yeah. You know, and I hate that. I hate that so well, yeah, much. But and that's that's all that this shit is like all that shit. You know that that's going on, and and that's what I'm saying about this particular director, Bill Condon, with the Beauty and the Beast movie. By even the fact that this is the first Disney openly gay character, by the, it being such a big deal, is yeah. more marginalizing than anything. Like, hey, okay, like I'd. If I was the director and, and that was and that popped off, I don't even think I would mention it. I'd be oh yeah yeah uh, I forgot to mention there's a gay character in the movie. Like when people comment about it, but yeah. not like preempt preemptively. Hey, just so you guys know, check it out because there's a first openly gay. Like no, what it, the fuck? It was just like um, what was it? Uh, was it the Huff Post or was it um? Man, there's so many of these. The the article that said about uh, oh how why haven't you watched Moonlight? Right, exactly something like, like that. Like why? If you haven't seen it, you don't care about the 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 poor little gay black kids or the poor little but, gay Hispanic kids. What? Yeah. What By the, the way, fuck? I saw it. What the fuck? Like what the yeah. fuck is? How are you getting that? From yeah. This? Like, <laughs> like, like the fact that I haven't seen a movie. Like you're just making this like major just judgment call yeah. on. Oh, you say you seen it? Yeah, I, I saw it. What'd you think about it? You pretty much hit it spot on. The first act, the second act, it had me intrigued. You know, like I felt the story was really well rounded. Um, I felt I felt it was I, I felt it was going somewhere. I felt like it had like it, it was building up steam. And then the third act, I don't know what happened. Terrible. Fell off. It fell off bad. Even even when there were moments that it could have grew, because like the moment where they're in the diner and like they're sitting down, yeah. I felt like that was an opportunity for some epic dialogue. Mm-hmm. Nothing. I, I felt I felt it, it it uh it was just there. Like okay, this is what the movie is. This guy's confused, you know, or this guy, you know, he has feelings for this guy, and they're just gonna sit there and stare awkwardly until you know. They ride off into the sunset, you know, or, yeah. you know, and, and that's it. And because the third act was like, like, like undeniably lackluster, yeah. it that's what made me say what I said about the Oscars in terms of that winning best picture that I really felt like that was quote unquote diversity, you know, being yeah. shoved down our throat. And, and like I said, I, I, uh, I didn't watch all, all the movie. I didn't watch La La Land, so I don't know, but from the I watched Moonlight and I watched and I watched uh, Hacksaw Ridge. Hacksaw Ridge by far destroys Moonlight. Oh yeah, it was it was no competition. Um, 
I can't say anything about La La, La Land. I can't say anything about Manchester by Sea. Um, I saw. Oh, actually, I did see Arrival. Arrival was. Uh, it was good. It was lacking. I could see it. You know. Um, I feel that Moonlight. It was just like a, a a more original story. Well, actually, no. Arrival was pretty original too. But I, I would see why Moonlight was kind of ahead of of Arrival. I, and I don't see why Hacksaw Ridge was, like, just overlooked. Because that was, that was phenomenal. Mel Gibson, you're a beast. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It was, it was bad. It was bad. And it was disappointing. Because you see in the, in the, in the what was it, the second act? How, like, he hits the dude. And it's like, okay, now it's going into the third act. Who has this person become? And, and even at the start of the third act, you yeah. see that he's a different person. Yeah. And that's interesting. Yeah. But then it just drops. Yeah. And and also it dropped bad and, and also it didn't make the character believable. No, hell it, no. Like because to me then it became like a very far fetched like who he was and like with the grill and all like as you saw the third act, you're like, wait, this is not It didn't it didn't synchronize. Yeah, it didn't synchronize. It was like, well, this is just some random story about some dude with with a grill, you know, and a and a hoopty. Like it didn't go well. It could have went well. It could have been believable and you could have said certain things and and there was questions asked in the third act that that begged for the movie to move forward in a good way when when the guy was like, Who are you? Like like he's like, Who are you, um Sharon? Like, who are you? Like, I felt that that was a question that was going to be answered in a much better way in the third act. And it's like, it, it didn't. And then the way it ended, it was just abrupt. And yeah, I, I wasn't, uh, I wasn't very content with it. It was more so disappointment, but I would say it was a three, just like you said, a three. Um, it was still a good movie. Um, I felt, uh, Juan or, or what was his name? Juan or Juan. He was Cuban. The, the, the dude in the oh, yeah. first act. Man, his character was badass. Like yeah, a lot I, of heart. I, I that's why I said. Remember, I, I felt like Mahershala Ali deserved uh, best supporting actor. He, yeah, that was a great role. And and um and it was kind of a shame, you know, that he wasn't. It, it almost felt like uh, Leonardo DiCaprio in uh, uh, Django Unchained. How it was uh he was there for such a little time and like captivating every scene. Yeah, so you wanted him to be there longer. And obviously, you know, due to the story and the way it had to go, he wasn't. So overall, overall, still, like you said, it was worth a watch. It was just one of those things where it could have been better than it was. Yeah. So. Yeah, definitely. Now, now get out. I know you mentioned uh, uh, that you watched it and, and, and you like certain aspects of it. Would you say now, I mean, and I know we've been thinking this for, for a while now, uh, horror has, the, the genre of, of horror in film has made a full comeback? Yeah. Um, yeah, I would, I would have to say, yeah. Um, obviously, these kind of movies are few and far between. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and there's probably <laughs> still a lot more junk then there yeah. is good ones. But that's with any kind of movie. Like, out of how many... I don't even... I can't even make an estimate of as to how many movies come out each year. Well, a good probably 80% of them are garbage. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? That's true. So, so that's with that's with any genre. Um, there's a lot more bad ones. But the ones that are good nowadays and the ones that are considered to be good nowadays 
are a lot better than they have been previously, like in previous years. Because, yeah. I mean, last year, last year, The Witch, you know, yeah. by far the best horror movie of last year, without a doubt. Yeah. Honestly, I don't even think like I, it, it, that's arguable. And then Get Out so far, I mean, this year is fresh, but I don't really see much topping Get Out yeah. this year. And even the blockbuster horror films like The Conjuring, like they went back to like directing the way a horror film should be directed. Like none of this is slasher, like blood everywhere type. Like in The Conjuring, the first one, I haven't watched the second one yet, but the first one, um, just the way you angle the camera and the way you build the suspense, it was like, man, you're, go you're getting back to the basics to this whole like Alfred Hitchcock like yeah. you know like the fear of it and uh, fear of the unknown I felt like even for a blockbuster the, horror the creepiness film, of yeah. it like that creepiness is is a presence like that's yeah. and it's an undeniable presence and it's what makes a horror movie a horror movie the fact that there's always this feeling of of this this creepy entity around that's the feeling that you get in movies like like Shutter Island in Split, that, yeah. that M. Night Shyamalan movie, uh, Don't Breathe. The which, Witch. Oh, absolutely, The Witch. And, and even though Don't Breathe, like I, I wouldn't rate as high as I would rate Get Out and The Witch, it was still good. It's still worth a watch. Yeah, yeah. So, so I, I feel I feel they're starting to take horror serious and, and they're, they're going back to the directing aspect of it. Yeah. And the fear of the unknown and, aspect of it. And, and and taking every element of it serious from the production value to the acting, to the writing, to the dialogue even. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Because Get Out had great dialogue. Like, that's that's what a movie should be. Like, every, take every aspect of it serious. Yeah. And I heard it was very well, like, written. Um, what you even told me, it was uh, like an, an, an allegory for... What were you saying? Like the like the like a person of colors like experience in a quote unquote white world. Yeah. Some of which I agreed with, some of which I didn't, but it was still it was still like very like well delivered. Um what keeps that movie from from being a five star movie, in my opinion, is like one or two elements. Because I, I feel like once you have like one or two major elements in a movie that that are in the negative column, you can't really give it a five star movie. Like yeah, yeah. the movie, damn near has to be close to perfect before yeah. you could give it a five star rating. And and there there's like the the whole movie deals with the realm of like realism and being grounded. And then there's these two aspects of it that are like very far fetched and unrealistic. Yeah. So that hindered it for me. Okay. And just like in the witch. Kind of like what you had said about Cloverfield Lane. Exactly. Like exactly. Which which I'm gonna uh, talk about Cloverfield Lane in uh, Ten Cloverfield Lane in a second because it's kind of interesting this thing that I found online. But um, in the witch, there was the element of at the end. At the end, once the you saw it right, yeah. So I because I know you don't see movies, <laughs> <laughs> so no. But I've, but, I've failed. <laughs> Well, hey, to anybody who hasn't seen The Witch, I'm about to reveal a spoiler. So, I mean, you should be okay with that because the grace period has passed. But, um, <laughs> but no, but you know, at the end, when the when the goat reveals himself to be like 
the devil and like a man yeah. i felt like the fact that like it revealed itself to be a man like in a human form it took away the creepiness of the whole like it pretty yeah. much everything that the movie worked towards it didn't necessarily lose but it lost part of it like all yeah. that all that that you worked so hard to build up you yeah. kind of lost it a little bit when you revealed him you know what i'm saying especially when you know and i would have just left the goat like talking or hear her hearing the voice but still yeah. in a goat form more than so when like, you saw like the the, hand. that yeah so so that yeah, kind of because because the voice uh, at that part when you Woo! hear the voice yeah that that blue dude, that, that gave that, me goosebumps man like man they built up to that like and and all you had to do was just leave it like that you didn't have to show the hand yeah. or anything like that all you had to do was just leave it like that and i was like certified just fucking creep like the dying. fuck out yeah. it's over with yeah yeah so so in that regard in that regard it kept it it kept it from being a, a five-star movie for me now, now you... the 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 great debate will be which i want to get like a few more people that have seen it and like i would actually like to have like a debate with people between the what's better the witch and get out because i feel like amongst our friends we're going to be debating for a while which movie is better. Yeah. Because, like like I said, The Witch, best movie, best horror movie of last year. Get Out, I'm pretty sure, will be the best movie, horror movie of this year. Yeah. Um, now, what do you rate Get Out? A four. A four. A four so, also. So, so The Witch, a four, and Get Out, yeah. a four. Yeah. All right. So, the the great debate is set. All right. <laughs> but, uh, but, yeah, no, but what I was going to say about, about 10 Cloverfield Lane... Yeah. Um, I found this this fan theory video online, and I have to I have to send it to you. It's like a 15, 16 minute video, but it's like very intricate about how Cloverfield connects to Ten Cloverfield Lane, and it's more than just through the movie. Like J.J. Abrams, the producers, the writers, and everybody involved in the movie studio. They got so intricate with this. It's like they created a universe. So briefly, like I'm not gonna go into like all the the like the deep details, but just very briefly. Yeah. In in Cloverfield, the the guy that I guess he's like the main character, he gets hired by a company called Slusho, and he's gonna become like an exec for that company. Well, that company is a subsidiary company of this Japanese company called Tagaratu, which is not mentioned in either movie, but there's an actual live website for Tagaratu, but even though it's not a real company. So if you go to that company's website and then like you click subsidiary companies, Slusho will be there, which is also not a real company. Now, what's crazy is Slusho... The guy in Cloverfield, he's he gets hired. He gets hired by Slusho. If you look in Ten Cloverfield Lane, when the girl is at the gas station, there's a neon sign at the gas station for Slusho. Now, when she's in the bunker, like there's a part where like she sees like some like you know garbage and papers, and like I think she's like reaching for some keys or whatever. There's mail with with the the main uh, with John Goodman's character's name on it. Um, and and uh, from a company called Bold Fortuna, which is also a subsidiary company of Tagaratu. If you go to Bold Fortuna's link on Tagaratu, the the employee of the month 
for February 2016 is John Goodman's character, and it's a picture of John Goodman right there. What the fuck? No, this but, is some it, intricate it, shit. Yeah, no, but but check this shit out. And like none of which the movie doesn't reveal any of this. Yeah. But like if you, you gotta see it. So anyway, and like for any of the listeners that wanna like look into it on some fucking like nerd shit, like just go to go to YouTube and like click uh uh 10 Cloverfield Lane fan theories and like a bunch of videos will pop up and they're pretty much all the same like they talk about but like these are guys that like went through the whole you dig of fucking digging this shit up yeah well anyway (laughs) anyway um so I don't know if you remember I don't know if you remember but in um in in 10 Cloverfield Lane he talks about how the daughter like the mom left or whatever with the daughter or whatever and the daughter like was really into Paris or whatever was it towards the end cuz you know I've keep watching that movie and I never watched the ending part oh yeah you yeah. got to you got to finish it well, anyway yeah. anyway there's um there's in in that in that picture where John Goodman's character is the February 2016 employee of the month for Bold Fatuda, he has a shirt that says Radio Man something, like a number. If you type that in as a website, this website comes up with all these different pictures. And then in the movie, 10 Cloverfield Lane, he mentions how Pretty in Pink was his daughter's favorite movie. Well, when all those pictures pop up, if you click the picture of pretty in pink it'll direct you to a website where it's like he's corresponding with the daughter like secretively and like it's a bunch of messages of him saying hey Damn. you need you need to prepare something is coming this and that and so pretty much how the whole story ties into each other is that this company Tagaratu was supposedly drilling for oil but in a place that there was no oil in the middle of the ocean Okay. And that's where supposedly they awoken the monster that attacks New York in in Cloverfield. Yeah. And then years later, the events of 10 Cloverfield Lane take place. And supposedly from like what J.J. Abrams said, that monster is like a baby. So what a lot of fans are theorizing is that monster was like an alien baby. And that the reason why the aliens invaded in 10 Cloverfield Lane is because like kind of out of vengeance or whatever. Oh, wow. And then and then finally, supposedly a lot of people don't know this, but supposedly this this year, a movie is coming out called God Particle, which uh, because there's no Cloverfield in the title, but it's like the third installment in that universe. And it's going to like kind of show more of the perspective from space but like this whole intricacy thing like dude this continues. is like some <laughs> some like star wars or game of thrones as world like yeah but like just... in the real world it's it's awesome like it's yeah it's pretty interesting and it's good because it's it's good guerrilla marketing because as people start finding out they were oh damn this yeah so so that that's really that's really uh i'm gonna look that up yeah and now i'm gonna actually finish 10 cloverfield lane <laughs> yeah absolutely so so yeah that's that that's pretty decent but uh Fucking J.J. Abrams. I think that's pretty much it for today. Um, Hope you guys enjoyed the show. Remember, you could check us out at audioapesmusic.com. It's not uh, as intricate website as Tagaratu, but it's definitely (laughs) better looking. (laughs) And um, follow us on Twitter at Hanging With Apes, at Audio Apes. Remember, Audio Apes is the music. Hanging With Apes is the podcast. What's our latest single? Our latest single is... Mikasa 
Peace. And, oh. And if you well. mess and if you mess with with this show, let your friends know. I mean, subscribe, let them subscribe. Do it now. Do it now. Peace. Peace. Peace.